Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. Well, Jonathan mentioned it already, but I don't think you can start uh, a Sunday message uh, on, a, on a day like today without reflecting a little bit on the events that, that happened on Friday night in Paris. Seven attackers, six separate locations, 129 souls, 129 people who lost their lives in that attack, and nearly 350, somewhere in the range of 350 who were injured. Almost 500 people uh, either dead or physically hurt in this attack. It's an incredible, incredible number. And just watching the news reports, my, I found my heart, I'm sure you have too, just sinking uh, as, as I reflect on, on the, the cruelty and, and the, the obvious uh, hatred and anger that has gone into these attacks. And it, it saddens me, as I'm sure it does you. But we know that so many more than that nearly 500 people were affected by this. How many people were, for example, traumatized by the events as they played out in a, in a soccer stadium, in a, in a concert hall, in a restaurant where people are going out to eat? How many people saw and witnessed what happened there and, and will never be able to get those images out of their mind? And then maybe if you want to broaden the circle even more, let's ask this, how many people have been terrorized? There's traumatized by being an actual witness, but how many of us, because of news and everything that we're learning and seeing and hearing, how many of us look at certain things a little bit differently? How many of us are, are wondering, should I, can I go out to eat? Should I be going to another Cardinals game or Suns game or D-backs game? Those are, those are sort of the, the biggest of the big soft targets. And do I want to put myself in that position? And let's face it, who of us doesn't find ourselves in places where we ourselves are soft targets? What could be a softer target than a church on Sunday morning, for example? And so we're sort of forced into thinking about these things by, by virtue of the events of the past week. And you can see the title of the message, We Are Soldiers, it says at the top of your crosswalk notes. And what does that mean, that, that we are soldiers, especially given these events of uh, the, the past week. Are, are we supposed to sign up somewhere? Is there, a, is there a draft board that we should be listening to and, and looking for to send us a letter? What, what does this exactly mean? How are we to respond? And I think a, a question that we have to ask ourselves when, when times are like this is, 
Should we have expected it? Do you remember what, what Jesus says in Matthew 24? He says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold in the last days. He goes on to say in that same section, there will be wars and rumors of war. See to it that you are not, repeat, not alarmed. Jesus himself says we should not be taken off guard. We should not be alarmed when we hear of these massive attacks that seem so counterintuitive to me. Paul says it so simply when he writes to Pastor Timothy. He says there will be terrible times in the last days. And it's hard not to think that we are part of those terrible times. And so, how are we to react? And I think one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves is, what's our own nature? If someone were to ask you, are you a lover or are you a fighter? Have you ever used that expression? A lot of times we use that expression when we want to defend a, a certain course of action that we've just taken when provoked. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a lover. I'm not going to strike back. Or I'm a fighter. <laughs> Don't you come at me because I'm coming back at you twice as hard if you come at me. And maybe a better question than what are we by nature is, what does Jesus want us to be in these terrible times? Does Jesus want us to be lovers? Or does Jesus want us to be fighters? And, and you can look at this from so many different angles. What was Jesus himself? Was he a lover or was he a fighter? What about the disciples and the apostles? What about going all the way back into the Old Testament? The kings, the prophets, the priests, Moses, were they lovers or were they fighters? And that's what we want to ask ourselves this morning. Not just as a sort of philosophical exercise, am I a lover or a fighter? Not, not as something that I can go on the internet just because I'm curious and find out by nature am I a lover or a fighter, but because, and this is so critical, it's such an important question, lover or fighter, because we have to know that to know how to respond in these terrible times, in these last days when we are under attack. And we have to understand what it means, what it truly means, even to use that phrase, under attack. And those are some of the questions that we're going to address this morning as we, we dive into Ephesians chapter 6. The very first thing I want to do is have us read the first nine verses of Ephesians because... This is something that's so critically important for us to, uh, to understand. When, when we hear of something like Paris, or when we think about Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, a very dangerous, very foolish assumption can build up in our minds. And that is the, the assumption that somehow in these last times, 
the battle, the front is out there somewhere. And, and we begin to think, oh, that's, that's so horrible that those things are happening over there. Paul has a, has a habit in this, this, this book of Ephesians of doing something really, really valuable. Pastor Dan talked about it a few weeks ago when, when he talked about dealing with our anger. And in that passage uh, of Ephesians chapter 4 that begins at verse 25, one of the things that you, you notice is that several times in that section, Paul does what I call pulling back the veil. And, he, and, and he's talking about how to, how to deal with our anger in that section, but he also pulls back the veil, and, and, and Pastor Dan pointed this out, and he said, Paul is teaching us, number one, how not to give the devil a foothold into our heart. Pull back the veil of our anger and our fights in our homes or at our places of work, Pull back that veil, and what you will see is Satan finding a running board right into your heart so he can easily step up into your heart and take possession of it. Another time in that same section, it says, when you react with explosions and bitterness, if I pulled back the veil and showed you the Holy Spirit, you'd see the Holy Spirit weeping. Paul is doing this several times in this section in Ephesians chapter six. He's pulling back the veil and he's showing us important things. And here's the first important point. Uh, it's not something that you're gonna write down, but, but it's something you absolutely have to understand. We all do. And that is that the battlefront is not out there. The spiritual battle that we are engaged in is right here. It's within us and it's all around us. And that's why, now, Pastor Dan didn't take this section last week, but at the end of chapter five, as, as Paul begins to lead up to the section about putting on our spiritual armor, the first thing he does is he says, I wanna teach you about marriage. And, and, he, and he teaches us in essence by mentioning marriage that the battlefront is right inside our own homes, under our own roofs. It's, it's the battle that we see that often takes places, place between husbands and wives who don't love and respect each other. The battlefront is here because Satan... <laughs> Satan is wily, he's a foe that we have to respect, and don't ever think that he's on the defense. He loves being on the offense, and he loves taking the battle to you. And that's what Paul means when he says, let's talk first of all about our marriages. Because Satan loves to take the battle into our marriages. Now, now with that introduction, look at this. Not only our marriages. Let's, uh, let's read the first section. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, 
just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Will you underline that passage? To me, this is the key passage in this section. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. I love this because, first of all, it tells us the battle is not just between husband and wife. It's not just in marriage relationships, but it's also in parenting relationships. And how does Paul say we are to fight against Satan in our parent-to-child relationships, in our child-to-parent relationships? I want you to notice the word that gets repeated again and again and again. Obey, obey, obey. And that is a tough word for us in our American society. It feels like we're somehow sublimating our own needs and our own desires to, to someone else when we, when we say obey. But there's another word that's critically important here, and you, and you find it in verse two, and I want you to circle this word, honor. Honor your father and mother. And by the way, this is a two-way street. Paul is clear that parents are to honor their children too, only he puts it a different way. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Honor your children. Love and respect your children. Don't exasperate them. Instead, Love and respect them by bringing them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Love them into the kingdom by teaching your children what God has given them, a savior from sin, a way to everlasting life. What, what Paul is so clearly saying here is the battle is not in Paris or Iraq or Afghanistan. Satan has already opened the door and walked into our homes. Now, I don't know about you guys, there was a time when, when I was uh, a pastor teaching at Arizona Lutheran Academy. We were, we were members of a congregation in Tempe. And it was so interesting and striking to me that very often our biggest family fights were either when we were in the van on the way to church or back in the van after church was already over or on Sunday afternoon. Have you ever noticed that? And what does that tell you? It tells us all that Satan is very alive and active and does not want us listening to the word of God with clear ears. Because as we're going to hear in the next section, this is, it, the word of God is, is everything to our faith. And so Paul says, understand first and foremost, 
The battle is with us. And here's the way to, to, to solve it. And, and it's interesting, by the way, some of you might be a little confused, and, and uh, this is going to be just a quick sidebar. I don't have time to, to, to really delve deep into this, but some of you are looking at those last verses and going, slavery? Really? Why doesn't Paul just say here, slavery has to end? And, and by the way, we should all realize and recognize that, that um, Paul does, in effect, say those things in, in many other places. In fact, there's an entire book of the New Testament written in which Paul defends a slave from an angry master. But, but understand that slavery in these days was not based on race. It was based on war and economy. I'm not defending it. It's not right. Uh, the Bible itself says we must not become slaves of men. It's, it's wrong. But Paul teaches us something important here as Christians when he writes this slavery section. And he teaches us that the battle is also in our society, in our culture. And he teaches us how to deal with it. I think this is so important for us. Because Paul does not politicize it. He simply says, let's begin with the first couple steps. It's clear we should not be slaves of men. But this is so pervasive in our Roman Empire and our Roman culture and society. Let's begin by fighting this with simply loving one another. That, that's the first step. And, and if we begin the first step, the end of this long journey will be the end of slavery. Now, we know that there's still slavery going on in our world today. But for the most part, it, it took about 17, 18 centuries for, for the vast majority of slavery to, to end. And we also know that Christians played a huge role in the end of slavery, the 17 and 1800s. Paul is starting at the beginning of the journey here. And, and he's really saying, if, if you're a slave, serve wholeheartedly. Serve in a way that honors God. And if you're a master... Be a master with love and respect in a way that honors God. Now, we can take a lot of what this says, and even though it's not a, a slave-to-master relationship, and apply it to our own work lives. If you're a boss, if you're a worker, here's how to do these things with, with, with godly intent and, and, and the bottom line is if we want to fight Satan whether it's husband to wife, wife to husband, parent to child, child to parent, worker to boss or owner of the business, it's with servant-mindedness. It's with self-sacrifice. It's with the idea that I must love and respect the other as much as I love and respect myself. God is first, my wife, my husband, my children, my parents, my boss, my coworkers, they're second, and I am third. That's what 
Paul is calling for here. So we write this down because of Jesus and, and how he did it. This is exactly how he did it in love for us. We are servant-minded soldiers. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Now, in, in serving, what we, what we know is we serve best, we sacrifice best, we humble ourselves the most when we are, when we are confident behind us, meaning we know who we are, we know our destiny, we know that we have love in our lives, a, a sure and certain love, we know that we are protected. And, and this spiritual life is going to be a battle. Remember, Jesus himself said, all these things are going to happen. Don't be alarmed. So, so what are we to do? This is what Paul says next. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You see what Paul's doing here? Can you visualize that curtain? Can you see Paul pulling it back here? And he's saying, you think your enemy is ISIS? You think your enemy is your husband or your wife, your child or your parent, your boss or your worker? Is that who you think your enemy is? Let me pull back the veil for you. Let me show you who the real enemy is. Do you see what he said? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, the authorities, and the powers of this dark world, Satan, and his demonic forces are the real enemy. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then Paul says, here's what you need to do every day. And I'm, I'm going to just summarize it. Strap it on. That's what you need to do every day. Strap it on. And, and what do I mean by that? Well, let me tell you. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Do you want to be knocked down, not able to get up again? We all get knocked down. But do you want to be given the resilience to get back up and stand your ground? Paul says that's a good thing. And after you have done everything to stand, and here's how, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of, this, of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now get your pens out and get ready to circle because I'm going to tell you what your pieces of equipment are in real terms. So he's using a metaphor. He's using a picture of armor. But here's what the armor really is as we look. If you're, if you're peeking through the veil and you want to look on the rack where all the armor is hanging, here's what you see 
as, as, as God, as Paul draws back the veil, you see the belt of truth, truth, circle that word. We have to have God's truth in our lives. Righteousness, that's the next piece of armor. We need Christ's righteousness, not our own, to assure us that we are forgiven and we stand holy before our God. The gospel of peace that gives us readiness, I want you to circle readiness and gospel of peace and link them up with an arrow. You must know the gospel that Jesus died for you because your God so loved the world that he gave him up for you. That's the gospel, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that Jesus rose again three days later. That message of what God has done for you so that you can stop saying to yourself, if I want God to be happy with me, if I want to go to heaven, if I want to have a solid relationship with God, I must do X, Y, and Z. Instead of do and don't do, the gospel of peace says, be at peace because it's all already done by Jesus Christ for you. The shield of faith, circle the words faith, that Holy Spirit granted gift of resting in the promises of God. The helmet of salvation, the assurance that you know your destiny I know where I'm going to end up. I can fight these battles. I can get knocked down. It doesn't matter. Not really. Because in the end, through Christ, I'm going back to home base where I will be eternally safe, enjoying the blessings of God in heaven. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, right here. The final piece of armor that Paul mentions is this. And, and, and what does strapping this on mean? It means simply opening the pages and reading it and digesting it, understanding it and trusting it by the Spirit's power. You know, it's, it's interesting as I went through those pieces of armor, here's the thought I had. All those pieces of armor, this... This is exactly what your church, Crosswalk Church, is trying to do, is teach you these pieces of armor, show you them, and teach you how to put them on every day because the battle, as we just read, is coming to you, brothers and sisters. Satan and all his demonic forces are going to bring the battle very close to home. In fact, right into your own heart and mind. The reason we have this church and, and our mission statement is fully developed followers of Jesus Christ. We are committed to teaching the Bible's words and promises so that the Holy Spirit will transform you into fully developed followers of Jesus Christ. You want to know another definition of a fully developed follower of Jesus Christ? A person who knows their armor and knows how to put it on and puts it on every day. That's a fully developed follower of Jesus Christ, another definition. And this church, Crosswalk Church, is here to teach you how to use this armor because you're going to need it. Write this down. Let's flip over the page. 
Because of Jesus, we are strong and protected. See, the thing is, all of us are soft targets, aren't we? You can say that University of Phoenix Stadium is a soft target. You can say that that, uh, Talking Stick Arena, I I can't even keep up with the names for that arena, but that's a soft target. Going out to eat at a restaurant is a soft target, but understand this, without your armor, who is a soft target? I am a soft target. You are a soft target for these enemies that are out to take you to hell and keep you there forever, Satan and all his evil angels. But if we put the armor on, remember, if we're to be servant-minded, I said, we have to know that we're strong. Putting the armor on helps us to know that we are strong and protected, and then that allows us to serve our wife, serve our husband, serve our children, our parents, because we walk into those situations, even situations of conflict, going, I I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I have my armor on. I'm strong and I'm protected. Now, there's another important thing that we have to realize, though. Here's here's where Paul's going to go next. And and you may have, have noticed this on Friday night. What was one of the key elements in the attack on Paris that was huge? I'm, I'm going to say it was the master, it, it, it was the element of surprise and the element of disguise. I heard, I heard a comment on a, on a newscast on that second one, disguise, saying, I looked at these guys who were carrying these weapons and firing them, and I thought to myself, that looks like anyone I would meet on the street any day of the week. Satan is a master of disguise like that too. And surprise, as much as we know he's going to attack us every day, he still somehow manages to catch us off guard. It, does it ever seem to you like it does to me that there are times when I'm under stress and pressure where there, there is, there's like this perfect storm of events that make me cave into sin? And, and it might just be the sin of worry or anxiety. It, it, it might be the sin of, of anger and losing my temper it might be the sin of, of greed. If I, if I just had more, I would feel safe and protected. For many, for many guys, it's a sin of lust. Satan just knows how to surprise and disguise. And that's why Paul says what he says next. When that's the case, Know how to communicate. You heard, didn't you, that in these terrible last times, Facebook did something for the first time ever that they've ever done. They activated their emergency notification system because they wanted loved ones to be able to communicate their safety through Facebook wherever they were in the world. 
And that's important because communication is important in terrible times. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's, he's saying, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, Words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Because of Jesus, we must be vigilant and prayerful. Jesus has told us what to expect and that Satan will disguise himself and that Satan will surprise us. And the answer to that, the response after putting on your armor is communicate with God. Be prayerful and be watchful at all times. And for this, we have to not believe one of the lies that the devil is going to tell us. And maybe there have been times when you have been tempted to believe this lie that Satan tells. And that is simply this lie. Prayer doesn't do anything. Prayer doesn't help anything. Or, or, or prayer is only the last resort when, when I can't do anything anymore about this situation. Those are the devil's lies to disrupt our communication with God. When you're in conflict in your home and the, the devil has walked through and he's brought the battle to you, get down on your knees. When, when you're at work and you don't know how to deal with your boss... When you have issues with your children and, and you're at your wit's end, fall down and lift up your prayers to Jesus and ask for his strength, his help, his wisdom, his forgiveness, his love, because he wants you to have that. Listen to what Jesus himself says. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. All the way back in Psalm 50, verse 15, it says, call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will honor me. Believe those promises of God to you about prayer, not the devil's lies. And there's one last concept that we must have and that is the concept of commitment. So being vigilant and prayerful is important but we are also going to want to take committed action. And not just committed action against Satan, but also committed action to be together with each other. Do you realize how important it is that you have Christian brothers and sisters all around you, that you have allies in this battle who want to see you win the war, who want to see you succeed? Paul had them too, Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am, how I am, and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. I'm going to give you this fill-in. Because of Jesus, we are soldiers committed to the struggle. 
We understand the struggle and we are committed for a lifetime to this struggle and we are also committed to each other. Understand this, the struggle against Satan is daily and it is for a lifetime. It's not going away until after we die. And so when I say strap it on, there, there can't be a day when we say, you know, I just want to breathe today. I just want to rest today. I, I'm not going to put my armor on. Because the moment we decide not to put our armor on, that's the day the devil is coming after us. In fact, it's interesting that in fact, in the Bible, God calls putting your armor on true rest. Because he says that you are to obey the Sabbath day. Come, come around and join with each other and, and, and hear the word of God and be engaged in prayer. That, that the highest day in every week is the day when collectively together we put on our armor. That's our day of peace and rest. Because of Jesus, we are soldiers committed to the struggle and to each other. Do you know how critical it is also to have friends, as Paul mentions his here? There's some pretty in, in, interesting Bible verses about this. Two are better than one, the Bible tells us. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, we read in the Proverbs. And there's also very interesting science. Did you know that as you do things like this, you get an encouraging word from a friend or a family member? Just a few words of encouragement, a hug, a satisfying conversation, <coughs> a simple gesture of kindness, a few minutes of having fun together. Here's some things that result from that. Number one, your stress levels go down as measured by a drop in cortisol, the stress hormone. From just those things, a few seconds of, of a hug or an encouraging word. Your immune system is bolstered. Wounds heal faster. You catch fewer colds. You even fight diseases like cancer more effectively. Third, your heart literally gets stronger. Not just spiritually, not just emotionally, but physically too. Your heart gets stronger when you incorporate allies into your life. In fact, your whole cardiovascular system works more efficiently with lower blood pressure and a decreased heart rate simply from having allies in your life. People who love you and will support you. Write this down. Because of Jesus, we are soldiers committed to the struggle and to each other. Are you a fighter or are you a lover? And what is God? I want to take you back to a passage that Pastor Dan mentioned last week in his section. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Underline these words. Follow God's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Here's the answer to the question, and you can write this down. Because of Jesus, our struggle is really all about living in love. 
We are fighters because we are lovers. What we love, we will be committed to standing up for. What we care about, we're going to fight to make sure we don't lose it. What, what we love, we're going to be willing to armor up for. And we're going to be willing to say, even if the devil brings the battle to us, I will be ready, in fact, more than ready, with my armor on, because I am a soldier, I am no longer going to be on defense. Our church is no longer going to be on defense. We are taking the battle to Satan, and we are going to be on offense, carrying this beautiful armor to the nations. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, first of all, we come before you for all those impacted and affected by what happened this past weekend in Paris and all around the world. There, there are constant wars and rumors of war, just as you said. Lord, these are terrible times in many ways. But Father, you have loved us by sending us your son, Jesus, and he is our true hero. We follow him. Help us to walk in the way of love and, and help us to, to, to watch how he acted so that we can follow his example, as Paul says here. But most importantly, Lord, when we fall and when we fail short, and when we're left wondering whether we can get back up again, help our eyes focus on Jesus, who forgives us for all of our sins, who rescued us through his death and the, and the cross and, and the empty tomb, and who now, as a gift, offers us eternal life with him. Help us to cling hold of him as the one who has saved us and who will strengthen us for the battles ahead. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. If the Lord were to pull back the veil today in this room, you know what I think we'd see? I think we'd see a bunch of spiritual Rocky Balboas, a bunch of spiritual Katniss Everdeens in this room, <laughs> engaged in a noble struggle, a fight, but a fight based on love. And God is so gracious because he's already won the war for us on the cross and by the empty tomb. The, the war is really over. We are just fighting the mop-up operations. And he's gracious because he also gives us these amazing gifts of armor to wear every day. As Satan tries to bring the attack to us, we are going to take the attack right back to him. Let me send you out into the world with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen.